This is Matt Wells at UN News. Well, this week saw the UN launch an ambitious bid to stop the spread of common mosquito-borne diseases known as arboviruses, which threaten more than half the world's population. The main target of the initiative is four of the most common arboviruses, dengue, yellow fever, chikungunya and Zika. Here's the World Health Organization's Dr Maria van Kerkhoff now, telling UN News's Daniel Johnson all about how the Global Arbovirus Initiative plans to share expertise on bug-busting across continents. Thanks so much for having me. It is a pleasure to talk about something other than COVID. Yesterday, we launched the WHO Global Arbovirus Initiative, and these are arthropod-borne viruses that are transmitted by mosquitoes, mosquitoes that are all over the planet. And we're focusing mainly on one particular type of mosquito right now, the 80s born viruses and dengue, chikungunya, yellow fever, Zika. But as you said, there's hundreds of these types of pathogens that are out there. What we're trying to do with this launch is to raise awareness of the threat of these types of pathogens beyond respiratory pathogens that the world is focused on right now, because as an organization and as a global interconnected society, we have to prepare for other future threats. And with mosquitoes so prevalent around the world, For these four pathogens, four billion people are at risk. Just remind me again, which four pathogens we are worried about in particular? Dengue, chikungunya, yellow fever, and Zika. And given where this mosquito circulates, and everybody's been pestered by mosquitoes, you know, at one time or another, there are four billion people at risk from dengue, chikungunya, yellow fever, and Zika. This is a growing risk as well, isn't it? Which is why the World Health Organization is really getting behind and promoting this arbovirus busting initiative. Dr. Mike Ryan told us yesterday at the launch, it brings together all sorts of regional expertise in combating these different illnesses. One of the things that Dr. Mike Ryan told us too was that this expertise had been lost along the way. So moving forward, how are we going to keep this momentum going? How are we going to share this expertise? That's a great question. You know, we are as powerful as a collection of expertise around the world. And what we need are people with expertise in these particular pathogens themselves, in the vector, you know, really understanding this mosquito, really understanding how it transmits, where it's circulating, what the threat is. And as you said, with things like climate change, with urbanization, the vector is expanding its home. And that means putting more people at risk. But we need better science. We need more education in this area. We need to grow the next generation of collaborative expertise around the world. I've been very fortunate in my career that it was always expected. It was always part of the work that you worked collaboratively. I'm an infectious disease epidemiologist, but I've never worked alone. I work with statisticians. I work with vets. I work with clinicians. I work with infection control specialists. I work with anthropologists. We need the same thing for arboviruses. We need vector specialists. We need epidemiologists. We need clinicians. We need people that help women who are having babies all over the world. Because as we saw with Zika and the public health emergency that Zika caused, that there was a risk of microcephaly in the infants. And so this needs a multi-pronged, multi-disciplinary approach. And we need that expertise to grow. So we need more education in these areas to grow the next leaders in combating these problems. Thank you for that. Uh, That was actually a very long list of very expert clinicians and specialists in epidemiology and in viral infection. 
which I'm sure a lot of developing countries would love to have but don't have the resources. So how is the World Health Organization going to promote that kind of investment at a local level? Because that's what Dr. Mike said, isn't it, at the, at the launch? We need regional, we need national and more particularly local initiatives. Absolutely. And that's true for everything. One of the things that we're trying to do at WHO is redo these hotspot maps you know, I'm sure you've seen them around, you know, in publications, which basically looks at the risk of a particular disease. What's the spillover risk? What's the amplification risk of Ebola, of MERS coronavirus, of dengue? What we want to do is create composite maps or what are the risks of emergence of epidemic and pandemic prone pathogens at that most local level, at the district level, at the province level, and say, what are the capacities needed to combat to prepare, to prevent, to respond, to act, and to have the right surveillance systems in place. And that is built from a local level. So with arboviruses and in this integration approach, these are the same people in country that deal with these pathogens, dengue, yellow fever, chikungunya, zika, and others. And so what we want to do is have a common approach in making sure that we have the right people who are able to tackle this. It's not about flying in anymore, parachuting in from the West or from the North. You know, COVID-19 has really taught us that countries with limited capacities across Africa, across Asia, know what to do in terms of dealing with infectious diseases. They know how to use their capacities most effectively. They do need to be resourced and nurtured, as you highlighted. And WHO is working to build capacities and strengthen those capacities on the ground for surveillance, for detection, for action, for genomic sequencing, so that there's local ownership of the response. Yeah, and staying with the genomic sequencing, which is so important, how is the World Health Organization going to help local clinicians uh, diagnose and identify and differentiate between the different uh, four arboviruses that are the main threat, dengue, yellow fever, chikungunya, and Zika? Because there is a vaccine for dengue, but not for the three others, isn't there? So it's a question of resources. Absolutely. I mean, what we're trying to do is support early detection of these pathogens and what is circulating in these areas. I'll give you an example for yellow fever. Yellow fever is circulating across many countries in Africa, but it's not in Asia. So yellow fever has been detected in 40 countries, but it's not in Asia. Why not? It's in Africa and it's in South America, but it hasn't expanded its reach. We're seeing Japanese encephalitis, which is not one of the four that we're, we're highlighting here, but the arbovirus can expand to include other arboviruses. We need earlier detection. And this starts with surveillance. It starts with testing. So good molecular testing. And you can only sequence those who you test. So sequencing has expanded dramatically. And I use that word purposefully in the last two years for COVID. And the same thing with PCR testing. And so those systems that have been supported and built for arboviruses in the past, maybe have been dismantled because funding has gone away, but have been relaunched again for COVID, need to be used for other pathogens like these four arboviruses. And sequencing, which are capacities that are being strengthened at regional and at national levels, building upon public health systems, national systems, academic labs that are there. We want sequencing to be done in regions, in countries, and not exported elsewhere. There's always the support of the global community in terms of science and the analysis and the interpretation of sequences, molecular epidemiology, tracking of variants and viruses and circulation. But it's better when it's happening at a local level. So we are working to expand. We actually just launched a 10-year genomic sequencing strategy as well the other day, which is in fact doing just that, enhancing the systems that have been put in place for epidemic and pandemic prone pathogens, including these four. 
Wow, that's a huge amount of work. And maybe finally on that note, what are the concrete targets of this initiative? How will it be measured? So that's a good question as well. Can I just comment on the fact that you mentioned about sort of this catalytic moment, we like to call it, and the challenges that we face with COVID-19 in the third year, what we're trying to do is ensure that the systems that we put in place that have been built for COVID are good for other epidemic and pandemic prone pathogens. And that's exactly why the launch of the WHO integrated arbovirus strategy and the timing of this is so critical. We are trying to build, we're trying to use the momentum, if you will, from the trauma that all of us have gone through with COVID-19 to better invest in the future. We have to do this now. If we don't do this now, we will never do it. We have seen such a positive response from countries in launching this integrated arbovirus initiative. We've been having regional meetings across all six WHO regions, as you saw from the launch, and we'll make this video available, countries, champion countries that are already working in an integrated fashion. What we are trying to do is to support that and looking across six pillars of activity, of monitoring risk to be able to anticipate so that we have a global framework using a One Health approach, which is now back in fashion, which of course never has gone away. It's about a comprehensive collective approach of looking at animals, humans, the environment in which we live and the vectors um, which circulate. It's looking at reducing epidemic risk, strengthening early detection so that we can really rapidly do some epidemiologic investigation and understand the reach and stretch of these four pathogens. It's preventing and preparing for pandemics. You know, if we do well, you don't hear about this. If the world is better prepared in terms of global coordination and an expansion of stakeholders, strengthening surveillance and those mechanisms for rapid response, and primarily strengthening community engagement because outbreaks begin and end in communities. It's not an afterthought to do these types of engagement activities. The risk of spread, the risk of having something that starts doesn't need to be as bad as they tend to get. So we're really making sure that we build and expand on our coalition of partners around the world to ensure that in country, we have much more integration around tackling arboviruses and really emphasizing not only reducing the vector and the circulation of the vector, but ensuring that people get the care that they need wherever they are for arboviruses, as well as for other diseases that they face. Very final question to you, Dr. Van Kerkhove. You know, we said there were more than 500 arboviruses. I don't want people to come away from this thinking, my goodness, I'm just frightened to even step out of my front door. What would your ultimate message be to people after two years of real drama and pressure from the COVID virus? Well, first off from COVID, this pandemic will end. All pandemics end. And this year, we can end the death and devastation from COVID-19 because we have tools. I would like people out there to feel hopeful. I would like people out there to feel empowered and enabled to keep themselves and keep their loved ones safe, to get vaccinated when it's their turn, to fight for vaccine equity and access to life-saving tools around the world. And I would like to reassure them that there are literally thousands and thousands of scientists around the world that focus on this, that have dedicated their lives to study COVID, dedicated their lives to study dengue, yellow fever, chikungunya, and Zika. And we're working really hard to tackle these pathogens, these epidemic pathogens, so you don't have to. What we want other people out there to know is that there is a scientific solidarity that crosses any political parties, any religions, 
any challenges that we face. The scientific community is about collaboration and working together. So anyone that's listening to this, if they're scared by those 500 pathogens that you just mentioned, there's a lot of people that are studying this and that really dedicate their lives to keeping you safe. But when something happens, we need your help. We need you to be part of the solution because we live in an interconnected world and we are stronger together.